Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Fork Tales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at vigorbranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Fork Tales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Gotcha. Okay. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to the show. Today, I am joined by Michael Atias. Uh, he is the founder, president, and CEO of CaterZen, which we'll get into what CaterZen does in a minute. But for now, Michael, say hello. Give a little bit of backstory. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me um, on your podcast. Super excited. Um, like probably a lot of the listeners, uh, started off 16 years old washing dishes at a restaurant in Memphis, did such a bad job. They made me a busboy 30 days later, um, worked my way in every position, ended up in college working for this, uh, barbecue startup called Corky's barbecue friend of my friend of the family, neighborhood friend, father started it Worked my way up there. Um, Left there after college. They were, uh, I had a sales job. I hated it. Got fired. My boss said, you need another month. I said, no, just fire me now. Went back to Corky's and told them I wanted to be one of their first franchisees. I worked for half the day for free to learn the operations. I'd never managed, run, open a restaurant, waited tables to pay my bills. Just got married, just bought a house. And probably three, four months in, I talked to a guy and his wife to write a million dollar check and back me on my first restaurant. So as a result of that, I realized, um, like, I don't like to work. I'm lazy. People call it efficient. Didn't want to work nights or weekends. So I focused on being a business person that has a restaurant than a restaurant person and um, learned how to build, use direct mail, direct marketing, built catering sales. So out of a 104 seat restaurant, we were doing 3 million a year. A million of it was in catering. Then I started running around, speaking, teaching, info products, coaching, newsletter business on, you know, how to double your profits with catering in your restaurant and get paid to promote your brand. And then when I sold my restaurant in 05, I built Caters in. It was called Restaurant Catering Systems um, to be catering software for restaurants. And now... We do restaurants, caters, and about to launch um, private party room booking software. So, you know, um, if you've got a restaurant, you do catering, and you have private party rooms, our, our system will run everything A to Z. So that's sort of like the, the long elevator speech. I love it. Yeah, the, the elevator and the Empire State Building speech. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's about how long it takes to get there. I love it. So let's dive into catering. Um, you know, we, you know, at the helm of Vigor, we've talked with a lot of uh, clients about how to boost catering sales and um, so on and so forth. But I think what we saw is a little bit prior to the pandemic, um, if you were in some of the major cities, uh, especially, let's say, around the Bay Area, um, catering was taking a hit. Like uh, people weren't going into the office, those lunches, those meetings weren't happening. And then, of course, the pandemic just squashed the whole damn thing. So what have you seen as 
a remedy as we try to get back to full capacity in offices? Um, is there a remedy? And, and how have you helped clients kind of cope with the uh, lack of sales? Well, you know, I forgot where I read, like technology doubles every five years, right? Like if you think about, you know, my first cell phone was a flip phone and you'd be lucky to get like a one megapixel picture that was grainy on your phone. Now I have an iPhone that has more computing power than anything I had available in college. And, you know, I've got 10,000 pictures and videos and literally you want to know how to build a nuclear bomb. You can find it on your phone, right? Yeah, we don't suggest anyone doing that, by the way, but yes. <laughs> exactly. But you get the point. And so the the one thing that I think has kept me relevant in business and, and my clients relevant is the big word during COVID was pivot, right? And smart people were pivoting before COVID, right? Something happens in your marketplace, you know, the mall shuts down. I got to figure out how do I replace those sales? Do I need to move? You know, so you always have to be looking for the what's next in your business, you know, you're, you, you know, you're the branding agency today. This is what we're doing. Well, now, you know, Facebook was relevant. Well, now Instagram is more relevant. Tomorrow it's going to be something else is more relevant. So you can't just think that, hey, I'm going to have this business model and it's never going to change for the next 50 years. So it's more of a mindset. Unless you have an institution as a restaurant, and there are those that, you know, have been going for three generations. They don't have to change anything about it and they're packed, but most people have to pivot. So, we pivoted our software during COVID to allow for where our clients were going. So family meals, like, look, we're not going out to eat. Um, catering slowed down, but, you know, my family's not going to cook at all seven meals at home, but this restaurant's going to allow us to have two family meals for four people that we can pick up cold or deliver in our neighborhood. So we needed to change our technology to help them with that. Um, our best clients figured Great, there's armed people in offices, but who is ordering catering? Healthcare, government, essential workers. Um, there are still people ordering catering. You just have to put on your hat and say, who are these people? I'm going to go after that business. Because most people just think, hey, I, I turn on the lights. I got my, the, the sign up. The phone's going to ring. You know, I always went and hustled the business and figured out where's the opportunity. There's always opportunity somewhere, right? Yeah. yeah and that's, well, I was going to say, it's a good point. I mean, a lot of people, they, they almost have a set it and forget it mentality um, with sales and marketing, meaning you turn the light on, like you said. Um, but I, I think the ones who win are the ones that are looking for the, um, the untapped areas and questioning, why is it untapped? Is it untapped because it's a bad idea or just because no one's ever done it? But even if they, even if other people have done it, right? there's still plenty of opportunity because let's say you own a Mexican restaurant, right? And you want to, you do taco bars, fajita bars, whatever. And I had a barbecue restaurant. People are not going to eat barbecue every single time they need the food, right? They want variety. So the question is, is how do I get on their radar screen to be one of the options? Um, and, and there's other things that my clients pivoted. They did cooking classes via zoom. So, Hey, we're going to deliver a box of groceries and, you know, you and your wife and family can make something from home and it's going to be fun. Right. Or um, I had a client, he sold groceries in the beginning of pandemic. He had like a, he used our online ordering portal to sell toilet paper, you know, ribeye steaks because, you know, you're buying from Cisco or us foods or whoever in bulk and he's just packaging it down People aren't going to the grocery store. Well, you know, if he's willing to deliver to my house, what do I care? 
you know, and he's going to make a markup on that stake because he's getting a good deal on it. And so you've just got to be thinking outside the box. Where is there opportunity? And, you know, for some people, there is an opportunity. And you know what? There are businesses that die and there are businesses that thrive. Like, you know, when Henry Ford created the car and made it mass produce, all these people in the horse buggy business and buggy whip business, you know, you think their business thrived? No, it went downhill mm-hmm. and became very niched over time. And the same thing, you know, with electric vehicles. In 10 years, you know, we might not have very many gas-powered vehicles, so you can't cry and go, oh, we're going to reinvent ours. If you're going to reinvent yourself, you see every major car company playing in the EV market, right? They realize we've got to be a player. We can't be late to the game. So it's like, yeah, we don't have a Tesla, but would somebody rather drive a, a pimped-out Audi that's electric because it, or a Porsche because it looks like a Porsche, not like a Tesla? So, yeah, I'll pay 150000 for a Porsche Panera electric because it's a Porsche and I want to drive a Porsche and understand it's not gas. And so they're making those pivots. So there, there's always an opportunity someplace. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, you know, I say often is like, do reinvent the wheel, reinvent the wheel. If we didn't reinvent the wheel, we'd be riding on rocks, you know, like, but instead we reinvented it. We thought, Hey, maybe wood. And then like you said, with the Henry Ford thing, maybe not wood, maybe rubber. Oh, rubber, you know, and like reinventing the wheel is iteration and iteration is a part of the innovation process. So if you're not reinventing the wheel, you're kind of messing up. Um, and, and it sounds like you helped people do that with catering and catering sales, like at least re- um, repivot the brain. I think not only that, but you know, what's interesting is we live in a country with an outdated education system, right? It's, it's like a factory. You go in at kindergarten, you come out at 12th grade, maybe you spend a little more time on the factory land and you get a bachelor's or a master's. Everyone's treated the same. Um, and they think, Oh, I've got my degree. I'm done. Um, number one, different people learn differently, but that's when your education starts. So if I look what I spent to get through Memphis State University and graduate in 87 on the five-year plan, I spent more money every year on info products, consultants, seminars than I did to get my four-year degree. And the reason being is, is you've always got to be learning and growing and expanding. And that's going to come from places like this podcast Um, Other people on the internet going to seminars, workshops, learning from people in your industry. I would network with people outside my industry, learn how to write copy, do marketing. There is somebody else in another market who is doing what you should be doing. And you've got to play detective and focus on working on that business and not like, hey, you're not going to make any more money because you can make a better ham sandwich. You're going to make money because you've gone out to San Francisco or New York or DC and saying, Hey, what are other people doing in the industry that I can adopt, adapt, creatively copy and make my own. So you don't have to be a genius. I'm not a genius. I'm just a genius at paying attention and saying, Hmm. And, and they're not all going to be home runs. We know that, right? 300 ball in baseball is an all-star. So I, 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 and I don't consider them failures. They're lessons, right? I learned a lesson. It was great or it wasn't great. And I move on and you've got to fail fast. Yeah. And then you pivot, are, right? You pivot. And most people are so worried about being perfectionist. Well, you know, back to the education system. If you don't get an A, you're a loser, right? But we all know it's the C, D, F students that run the world because they don't play in the lines. They realize that, hey, 
this didn't work. I'm going to go after this. And tomorrow I'm going to go after this and this and this. And then eventually you come across something and it's a home run, but you're not going to do that. If you're always like, you know, you told me you're working on a book. Well, imagine you waited till that book was a hundred percent perfect. You'd be 10 mm-hmm. years from now where every comma word it's like good enough is good enough. Get it out there and then move on to the next thing. Super Sunday, a day so big we can't legally say the name. To celebrate football's biggest day, Pavone Marketing Group created Spot Bowl, a supersized Super Bowl commercial poll. Check out the ad lineup and vote for your favorites at spotbowl.com. So all these things considered, what do you think the future of catering looks like? I mean, I don't think we're going to go back to fully in office. I know a lot of, um, I know office isn't the only place, but for instance, we are hybrid. We're going to do Monday, Wednesday, Thursdays. So the opportunities for that catering lunch, that catering breakfast, um, they, they kind of, it dwindles a little bit. So what do you see as the future of catering? Um, great question. So there's always opportunities. Well, first of all, the guy who is willing to go out there and hustle has more opportunities. So let, let me, let's talk about mindset first. So when I had my restaurant, in the beginning, I was pulling shifts and I was working and then I realized I need to work on my business. So every day between two and three, I go back home. And I was having this conversation with an operator yesterday who was just getting started to say, hey, 2.30, 3.30, go to Starbucks, unplug and work on your marketing. Five hours a week, that's 250 hours a year. If you're consistent, you're going to get a lot done by focusing on sales and marketing and building your business. Then it's just simply identifying where the opportunities. So for instance, there are gonna be offices that are operational that do need those catering opportunities, right? You're not open five days, but if you're open five days or three days, you're not gonna order in food 40% more because you're open five days. It's like, hey, we do once a week, we bring in lunch, or we have meetings once a month. So there's going to be that ramping up. Number two is, a lot of these companies are, um, they're finding alternative ways for their employees to connect. My daughter works for one of the big four accounting companies and they have a budget for their teams or offices to get together outside office hours to connect. Like they're all working remotely for the most part, unless their team wants to go in the office. So she told me, oh, I was in charge of planning a happy hour for my team. So now you can go to these other people and say, hey, if you want to do team building or whatever, we have a private party room. You know, we'd love to have your team come and we'll reserve you a big table to connect, right? So they still have that budget. It's just being creative and saying, this is what we can do for your team. You know, using a private party room, you know, maybe they're going to have something at someone's house. So it's just, it's reimagining it. I also think that going after full service events, weddings, holiday parties, just sort of figuring out where the market is and going after that. Because most of these people are not getting called up, right? Like there's probably not somebody calling your office and saying, hey, can we do your catering business? They're, they're either a lot of them went out of business or a lot of them just, they were just reliant on an inertia for the phone to ring. So if you're out there knocking on a door saying, let me introduce myself, are there any opportunities for us to cater, host an event for you, whatever, you're going to be more successful. You're going to make up for whatever you lost by doing that. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think there's there's another layer too. Um, you know, being on this side of the, uh, you know, of the equation, meaning I'm not an operator. <clears throat> and that is getting staff to come back to the office. Um, 
isn't necessarily easy. And it just, it seems like every time we start to get traction, a new variant has hit. So it's a little bit bumpy. However, it's going to be about the perks and great. I know you want me to come back, but why should I want to come back? So catering could be, you know, one of those perks. It's like, Hey, look, you know, come in on Mondays. That's when we have all of our meetings and guess what? Every week we're going to have an amazing catered lunch. Uh, it's going to be yummy. It's going to be worth your while. It's not going to be pizza. Sorry, pizza. We love you. And there's certainly time and place, but like a real catered lunch from a great spot. So if I following your logic, that's where you go knock on the door and you talk to the president of the company and say, Hey, come out and have lunch with me. Let me bring you lunch. And let me talk about a way to make your employees happier. Right. Because they're maybe not thinking that way. And you're the guy bringing the idea and put me in the rotation once a month. Let, you know, let us do a fajita bar for your employees. They don't want to come in. Um, and some companies are just going to have to deal with the fact people don't want to come in and probably have to acquiesce to the employees because everybody's looking for people. I mean, you know, nobody wants to go in the office and that's fine. And, and I also think there's a thing called COVID fatigue. Like I'm over COVID, right? Like, you me both, I, I don't, I don't, I've had it. I had it in the beginning. I've had both vaccines. I've had the booster. You know, I feel like I'm relatively safe. Right. I, I'm over anybody, you know, you're a pro vaxxer, you're an anti-vaxxer. I don't care. Don't, don't force your opinion down my throat. I, I don't have an opinion to force down, like let everybody be. I think everyone's over it. So people are like, Oh, I went to party. You know, like, you know, a guy had COVID. No, I'm not worried. I had it. I mean, I'm not going to quarantine for 14 days because I was in the same room with somebody. I think people are just, they're over it. Right. You know, well, I think I think the administration's seeing that too. Not to get into the political front, but you're starting to see the talking points shift. Uh, you're starting to see admissions from the CDC about comorbidity rates um, via the de- you know uh, in conjunction with right. the death rates, and they're starting to try to pull the temperature back. Now, you could speculate and say that's probably because we're coming up on a midterm election and there's some fears of COVID fatigue. But nevertheless, we all benefit because the alarmism will start to come down. The fear will start to come Well, down. I mean, I can tell you in the last month, everybody I know has COVID. Like, I can't tell. It's almost like I know more people who've had COVID in the last month than don't. Like, my daughter yep. texted me last night. Hey, when did you know? I was hanging out with some friends. One of them had COVID. I tested myself this morning. I have COVID. Feel congested. No big deal. Another friend. Oh, yeah. I feel, you know, two days, three days of feeling rough. So I don't think anybody's like running into the ventilators with Omicron and they're just like, yeah. it's a bad cold. I'm over it. Like, I'm not like fearful of it. And so people are just, they're going to get on with their lives. And then, you know, a year from now, it's going to be like, it's the flu. We know, you know, grandma who's sitting there, you know, low immunity system because she's in chemo. Yeah, she's at high risk, but she would have been high risk for the flu, pneumonia, anything else. Right. And most people who are fairly healthy, they're going to get through it like a bad cold. I mean, again, I'm not a doctor, but that's sort of how I believe. And nobody's going to, we are not a country to just sit inside. Now there are some, like my daughter's roommate's mother has like a hundred test kits and won't let anybody come to the house without a test. And she doesn't go anywhere, but that's, that is such an outlier. You know, if you told me, Hey, let's have dinner, you know, come to my house, but I want you to know that I had COVID tested positive five days ago. Like, I don't care. You know, right. I'm not that worried about it. 
Well, I think the temperature, as it comes down, more and more people are going to be, it is going to become like the common cold. I think one of the uh, administration representatives has already said that it's something that a lot of people, like uh, one side of the aisle has said a lot about from the very beginning. Um, but it's easier to hear that now as we start, as we see that Omicron, although incredibly contagious, is incredibly not dangerous. Um, right. And with that, hopefully we'll start to see that shift back. Um, but the other side of, of, of catering, is outside of the business, the B2C aspect, and it is at the at-home parties. And this is something we've constantly talked about with clients and internally, which is, is catering even the right word? Like my mom, when she's having people over, she's, she never says, gosh, we've really got to consider the catering. So it's more like, how are we going to get food to this party? Is there a better word? And is this something that you guys have talked about? Uh, we call it self-service catering, drop-off catering, party packs. Party packs. I, I mean, you know, I don't think the word, I think people understand if you are targeting the right, here's a perfect example. You know, we used to talk about catering your 4th of July party or catering whatever. So when you are niching the event, then whether you use the word party packs for, you know, the Super Bowl party, People understand it's catering. It's some kind of form of trays, whatever. So I don't know that the word is as important as the context, right? Like if you have a pool, right? You're probably, you know, and you've got, I don't know if you have kids, what age, but you have kids and you're going to, or neighbors, you're going to go, hey, we're having a 4th of July party at our pool, right? You're going to get food. So it doesn't matter necessarily what you get, but if someone said, hey, cater your 4th of July backyard party with us, whether it's like I'm going to provide the hamburgers and the hot dogs and you grill them yourself or I'm going to do trays of barbecue, it's more like, oh, we are having a 4th of July party. Here's an option. It might be like a tray of wings. It could be the whole meal. It could be part of the meal. So I think it's more niche specific. Let us cater your home Christmas party. You know, our, you know DIY, our food, your platters, perfect combination. So it's more focused on the event. So people go, oh, Thanksgiving dinner, you know, everybody has something for Thanksgiving dinner. Hey, we've got turkey and all the sides for eight people and you're going to spend, uh, you know, $199 because it's got all this. So it's more the niche thinking, oh, didn't think about them for my Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner, 4th of July party, Super Bowl party, you know, birthday party, anniversary celebration, whatever it is. So I think context Although, is Yeah, th those who are listening, um, you cannot legally use the word Super Bowl or the big game when you're promoting these things. You can try it, but you might get in trouble. Just, <laughs> well, I don't know Correct. how many times we've had to have that conversation with clients, but it's like- No, 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 I, I get word. that. But, but we still promoted, without using those words, we still promoted. Right. And we, with the promotion, we sold twice as many ribs on Super Bowl Sunday. Oh yeah. Well, um, then we did on Fourth of July, which is the busiest rib day of the year. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so you know, you can still you don't have to call it the Super Bowl, the big game, for people to know Super Bowl Sunday is coming up. I need food, right? Yep. Because that's a major. We're going to someone's house. They got great TVs, and everybody, you know, half the people care about the game, and half the people care about what kind of food you're going to have. Don't even watch the game. They watch the commercials and they. So that's right. Yeah. And, and depending on the brand, there's a way to have a lot of fun with that. I mean, we've done emails where it's like, 
you know, cater an event on Sunday, you know, for whatever may be happening this Sunday that could be possibly important and worth watching on TV. You know what I mean? Like we just went on, we had a lot of fun just to almost poke fun that you're not legally allowed to say Super Bowl unless you pay for licensing. It's pretty pretty hysterical, but the sense of, of, of category or the sense of like place, I think is a really good point. Understanding that it's not just, Hey, you need food. So here's a lot of it. It's do it for this, do it for this event. You know, um, how about this? Um, so that's great. What, let, let's talk about what it takes to be successful in the catering game. So I think, especially with like fledgling uh, restaurateurs who are starting up their first concept, to them, if it, especially if it's not a cuisine that is primed for catering, I think there are some considerations. Uh, do you have like a checklist or some like hot takes on what you should consider to get your operations ready for catering orders? Well, first of all, you need to decide, will my food, is it catering friendly? And I think the answer for most people is it is or can be, but there's some things not, right? You own a vegan restaurant, you're very limited. You know, you're in Berkeley, you probably have a good market. You're in Birmingham, Alabama, you know, crickets, right? Yeah, Barbecue in the South, you're going to sell a lot. So you need to ask yourself that. Then you need to ask yourself, okay, Am I going to do just drop-off catering, pick-up catering, or am I going to do full-service events? Most people, I say, start with drop-off because it doesn't require a lot of bandwidth. Um, you don't have to be a genius. Um, what I tell people is go look in other markets that are non-competitive. What are they doing? So let's just say Mexican, right? I'm going to look at Atlanta, Georgia, Mexican catering. I'm going to look at you know, Chicago, Illinois, Mexican catering, Los Angeles. I can literally spend an hour on Google and probably find 50 catering menus in my niche and to find out what they're doing, what they're selling, how they're packaging it, how they're pricing it, right? I can call up and play prospect. Hey, I'm doing a meeting in Los Angeles next month, 25 people. Can you walk me through what you get? What so two hours, I've already got a menu that I can creatively copy. And then I go to my graphic designer or my branding company and say, hey, this is what I want to do. And then you work backwards to come up with the quantities um, and how you want to package it and price it and whatever. We were always big in two, three tier uh, uh, packages like basic, deluxe, super deluxe, low, Mm -hmm. medium, high, because some people are on a budget. Some people will spend all the money you give them an opportunity to spend. And some people want a middle option. And then upsells for more premium entrees like shrimp is going to cost more than if you're doing chicken. You know, you might have a premium side like, you know, truffle mac and cheese adds a dollar a person compared to, you know, potato salad, coleslaw, side salad, fruit salad, whatever. Right. So it's just all the research has been done for you. Right. You, you don't have a concept that unique that there's not somebody else in the United States. And then it's having the packaging, you know, investing in the right packaging for transportation. Does it look good? Um, and then training. The reason I like per person packaging is anybody can take the order, right? So if I say, hey, come to work for me tomorrow, all you need to know is these are three packages. How many people do you have? Do you have 27 people? Do you have 33 people? It's going to cost you $14.99 a person times with 33 people. You want another person? It's 34 times that. And then you just write it down and then you have a calculator that tells you how much food do I fill up the pan. 100%, 75%, 50%, do I use a full pan, a half pan? Do I round up to full pans and half pans and then just build that into the cost? You want to make it formulaic. You don't 
when I first got in this business, operators were selling full and half pants. So you needed to know sort of MIT math to figure out, oh, you want lasagna, salad, bread. That's simple. Oh, now you want three entrees. Now I got to adjust the pans because I don't need three whole pans because then I get enough for 100 people. So maybe I need three half pans. So everybody gets a little bit of everything, right? So when you do per person, do the number crunching in your spreadsheet to know what needs to be fulfilled. So all the people need to know how many people, what options do you want? What pasta do you want? Do you want to add a protein? You know, that kind of thing. The other thing that's very important, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but there's a lot of wanting to No, this is great. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, Play prospect in your market. When I came and opened my restaurant in 1992, I played prospect to all the barbecue restaurants. Found out two things. I called to order catering. I'm either, I got somebody in the kitchen who wasn't a manager. Hey, they're out. Call back later. Didn't take my name. Didn't take my number. Have they'll call you back. Or I got an answering machine. It was a, actually a, um, an answering machine at the time, not a voicemail. So I always make sure that the phone's being answered live. And, and if I, if somebody who knows how to take catering isn't available, Hey, Joseph's on the phone with a client taking catering. Let me get your name and number. He'll call you right back. Right. And so, you know, you, you treat it like you would any other, you wouldn't call a car dealership to buy a hundred thousand dollars Mercedes and say, yeah, I'm interested in Mercedes. Well, our salespeople are done. Call back in 15 minutes. Oh, what's your name? What's your information? So you need to treat it like you would any other business. And people just don't run restaurants that way. They don't think about it as how do, how do I get treated by other professionally run organizations? Right. I want to go get plastic surgery. And cost 10 grand. They're going to take my name and, 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 and give me special attention. They're not just going to say, Oh, call the, the case manager back in, in an hour. She's out to lunch. Right. You know, you're spending all this money to get the phone to ring don't drop it, you know, when the phone rings. Yeah, what, what if the phone isn't ringing? I mean, we, we now live in an era where the phone, man, I avoid it like the plague. I don't know about you. Um, <clears throat> like if somebody calls me, I text them like, is there something wrong? Like, why, why didn't you text me? Uh, you know, I've so been talking what about those phone. alternatives? I have been, I don't know how old you are, but I've been talking on the phone since I had a children's phone number. So I love the phone. But yes, you can have chat bots on your site. You can do texting in fact we have a product we sell it's called rapid reply so if you get a busy signal it will send assume you're coming from a text uh, a cell phone and it will text you back a link to online order and it will have a voicemail that says hey if you want to leave a message or um you want us to text another number and then we can actually give you an interface that you can text people from a tablet or a laptop so there are there are technologies to do that but I think by and large, when somebody's planning an event and they're not an event planner, right? Like, you know, you've never planned something. You probably do want to get on the phone because there's too many questions, right? I'm having 27 people over. It's not the same as I need to order three large pizzas. Everyone knows how to do that. Hey, I'm planning my wife's surprise 40th birthday. I understand in general how catering works, but I've got too many questions about, hey, we're going to have so many kids. When does the food need to be delivered? Do I need to put it in the oven? So you're going to have to pick up the phone, just like you wouldn't buy. You're probably not going to buy a house without talking to a realtor and having them interview you, tell them what you're looking for. Not that you couldn't do the whole transaction via text and email. It's just there's just too many parts and pieces, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, it's easy for me to say this, but 
a little bit harder in practice, but you really do got to put yourself in the shoes of the customer. And like you said, uh, what'd you call it? Play prospecting? Play the prospect. Play the prospect, right. So like where you call and you place orders to see how their system works, you can easily start to find pitfalls that you could easily just smooth over. You know, that's how I was able to make inroads because people knew they could get last minute orders from us. They could get hold of us. Um, I've also ordered, like I've done this for my newsletter or my clients or for when I did a seminar at Pete's Expo, I went and ordered catering from different companies in the same niche to say, okay, why are they charging $7.99 a person and I'm charging $10.99? You deconstruct their sandwich and they're only putting two ounces of meat. Well, now mm. I can say we provide 50% more turkey so your people aren't going to you know, be leave hungry. So you've got to really deconstruct every part of the process because I can sell against anything, right? right? It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're a good salesperson, as long as you understand what your competitors are doing, you can say, oh, yeah, well, the reason they charge more is they give you seven ounces of turkey on the sandwich, and that's overkill. None of your people need that. Or, you know, we don't provide barbecue sandwiches. They get cold. We give you the meat, and people can make their own sandwiches. It's enough for one and a half good-sized sandwiches. Usually what we find is men want to go back and have a second. Women are happy with one. So nobody's going to feel like box lunches where I'm starved. Joseph ate half of his sandwich. Well, I can't say, dude, can I have half your sandwich? Because you just don't do that, especially now with COVID. So you get me a point. I can sell anything if I understand the value proposition. You know, we had all-you-can-eat buffets. You know, hey, if you run out of food, you don't pay. Well, biggest fear is order or have this caterer come to my event, runs out of food, I'm embarrassed. So you need to understand psychologically. People are buying things more for psychological reasons, how to avoid embarrassment than they are for this is the best. You could have the best Italian food in the world, but if it shows up late and it's cold, well, then what does it matter, right? I'd rather have Olive Garden and they show up and it's it's mediocre. You know, it's it's good run-of-the-mill, you know, chain Italian food that most people would be happy with if you had a Super Bowl party. No one's going to say, well, why didn't you go to this fine dining Italian? But if they show up, it comes hot. It gets the job done. So you just got to know where you fit in the marketplace and sell to the positives and negatives, you know? Yeah. And let's, let's not lie. I mean, uh, Olive Garden salad and breadsticks are pretty amazing. <laughs> Dude, that with Alfredo dipping sauce for the breadsticks. I mean, yeah, I'm in heaven. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, OG. Oh, well, hey, uh, we have two more. Well, one more question. And then I would love for you just to give a little plug for Caters in and how yeah. people can get a hold of you. Uh, the big question is, it's your final meal in this existence. What are you having and why? That's like asking who your favorite child is. But um, I thought about this. So there's a, there's, there's a couple of things that I've had in my life that are just incredible. So when I was in college, I le- learned how to make fettuccine Alfredo from the original recipe Alfredo's in Rome. So, um, and I buy like the freshest ingredients, fresh made pasta, local cream. So I would do homemade fettuccine Alfredo with my recipe. And then um, I don't know if you're familiar with Joel Rubichon, the French popular French chef. He's got a place in um, Vegas called L'Atelier de Joel Rubichon, which is the workshop. And there's like small bite, bite plates. I took my, I've been there before, but I took my son for his 21st birthday. And they do these Wagyu beef and foie gras sliders 
They're like the size of a quarter, maybe a little bit bigger. Yeah. And they are the best bite you've ever put in your mouth. We were stuffed from everything we had. We still shoved down another order because I know you've had food that tastes so good and you're full and you will gorge yourself because it tasted so good. You had to do it again. So I would probably want a big plate plate of those like wimpy from Popeye, you know, plate of burgers, the, yeah, like big frog, frog ass sliders. That combination is like killer. That's awesome. This is great, man. So, how can people uh, get in touch with you? Where do they find CaterZen and everything it's all about? Yeah, so CaterZen.com, C A T E R Z N.com. We have a lot of free resources, books, um, blog articles to help them build their catering sales, even if they don't do business with us. If they're doing at least um, $100,000 a year through their catering or private party room sales, they should take a look at us. If they want to book um, some time with me, um, they can go to booktimewithmichael.com and just take 15 minutes Zoom. I'm happy to talk to you about your business and see if it's a good fit and then put you in a demo. I'm happy to talk with you, and, you know, regardless. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, your insights. Uh, everything that you're doing at Catering Zone is amazing. We'll have all those links uh, on the show page and in the show notes. Uh, Michael, it was great chatting. Hey, thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank If you love what we served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC, all rights reserved.